All right, so my podcast this evening is with Tim. Do you go by Tim or Timothy? Uh, Tim. Tim, okay. That's, that's what I was calling you. I just want to make sure. Uh, Tim Tim Wills. And uh, Tim is a guy who is super into the railroad and trains. He's, I mean, I would almost call him like a hobby uh, historian. Sure. For, for what goes on with it. So yeah, that's accurate. He spends a lot of his time, you know, looking at that kind of stuff, reading about He's got brought a bunch of books with him and stuff like that. And the railroad is a intricate part in the history of this country. And it is also the Transcontinental Railroad is uh, the big railroad that connected the whole country together. Has its 150th anniversary May 10th of this year. So I believe that's what that's the date, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. because I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know it's been kind of a uh, a, a thing. Well, Union Pacific Railroad is well, it actually was the the builder of the uh, of the stretch that, that that was in all of our our uh, school books. Mm. Army school books and history class and that. So, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, so I mean, I wanted to hear more about it because I've seen some of your posts and stuff like that, and I, you collect the uh, model train stuff also? Uh, yes, I, uh, what I have, uh, Bill, is uh, I started originally an HO scale, which is like, uh, <clears throat> just for, <clears throat> uh, for those of you who don't really know, it's like if you have a locomotive that's like about six inches long or something like that. Right. It runs on track like about, I don't know, what, what do you think that is, like an oh, inch? Oh, yeah, about an inch. Yeah, if that. You know, so. you know, if anyone's just listening, Tim brought some uh, small model, uh, you know, train parts with him. He's got an engine in his hand that's black, and he's just, you know, we're talking about how it actually... You know, mounts to the track and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, because this is kind of the uh, uh, anybody who was getting in into the, uh, the the model railroad hobby, this would be the scale to go with. Right. In my opinion, just because the, there's a very wide availability, the uh, the the models that are available now are very well constructed. Sure, sure. Because sure. they used detailed. to be, yeah, you very detailed. You don't have to put them together anymore. Because it used to be back in the day that you had, if you wanted a specific thing. You would have to paint it yourself, right, 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 right build right. it yourself. Part of hobby, yeah, and yeah, that's sure. something that I don't like to do. You know, it, <laughs> right, it, right. I've done it a few times, and that was enough for me. So that now the one you're handling here, what is this? Says Rock Island on it. What is, right? That's yes. just an engine, or yeah, yeah, the, yeah. This is a model of the uh, of the locomotives that the Rock Island Railroad uh, used to uh, have, and uh, and again, for those of you who don't know, and I uh, again I. I don't want to assume anybody knows everything. Just just in case you're new to the uh, new to Illinois or new to the area, or whatever. Sure. But the uh, Rock Island Railroad was uh, uh, from LaSalle Street Station in Chicago uh, through Beverly, uh, through the neighborhoods of Morgan Park and Beverly, uh, Blue Island, Tinley Park. Sure, it's a passenger. Railroad, yeah, yeah, right? both passenger and freight. Okay, and freight. Okay. And uh, they had uh, uh, their their lines actually went. Uh, well, in in one case, it still does go to uh, go to the Omaha, Nebraska area. Sure. And uh, and at one point, they had a, a line that went straight through to uh, 
into New Mexico where they connected up with another railroad and the, the two lines jointly ran freight service and they also ran a joint uh, passenger service too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah, so that, that's just some Chicago history as far as uh, the railroad stuff goes. Um, as far as like, uh, you know, how are engines today different than besides the fact that they're not obviously not steam engines anymore right. they're running on diesel right or something mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah they're they're pretty much for the most part the the, the locomotives in america are diesel mm-hmm. um there are um like in, in other parts of the world they do have electric but just for but what what everybody listening here today would be uh, exposed to would be primarily of course american right, right. i don't yeah. know what anyone's you know experiences are with, with rail but like I always wanted to take, uh, you know, a little before our time, like in the '70s and, and early '80s and stuff like that. I would hear people taking a trip from. There used to be a trip. I don't know what what railroad it was on, uh, like an Amtrak trip that you would take from Chicago to New Orleans. Sure. And the, the bar car. It was like a really great way to travel, mm-hmm. as far as you know, instead of just hopping on a plane and being there in two hours and then getting off the plane. It was more of an experience. You would sure. get on the train and then, you know, head all the way down. And then I don't know what the what the time is. What, you know, like what does a, a passenger train, how many miles an hour is that thing running right now? Well, we'll see. In, in the, America. Yeah, in America. Yeah. You know, see, see uh, right. Yeah, see, in America, the, uh, passenger, uh, the passenger trains in the Midwest, like, in the, you know, for the most part, they like do maybe 70, 80 miles per hour in, in that yeah, vicinity. Uh, around New York City, though, on the East Coast, uh, uh, on what Amtrak calls the Northeast Corridor, uh, which is electrified, uh, they do ru- they do run up to like 100, 120 in that area. Okay. But uh, that's uh, that 100, 120 mile per hour figure. That's kind of like the minimum for the rest of the world. Oh right, right, yeah, right. we're way behind. Right, yeah, right. and there are reasons for that. Right, yeah. right. And and it's not, I want to get into that. Cause yeah, I want to, you know, talk about that because some of that drives me nuts. It, you know, when we were in the '40s and '50s, we the the government, the people knew that innovation and us being technologically advanced was super important, and somehow we've like uh, become a nation of dumb, dumb, you know, uh, snake charmers that science is a bad thing you know what i mean so sure. it's like oh it's all it's all bullshit and all that other stuff where you know if we don't get back to that we're gonna get left in the dust and it seems to me that there's a massive amount of upside to having high speed rail i mean i would i think i would be more apt to take a trip if i could go from you know here to indianapolis and be be there in 45 minutes because oh, sure. the thing goes mm-hmm. 300 miles an hour right and and get you there versus you know jumping in the car and driving for four and a half hours to to get down there whatever it takes to get to indianapolis from here so you know it would when i say that I, i'd be more apt to do that i think other people would too and then you'd create more of a tourist situation more money you know like just a, just a more economic you know better situation as far as tourists going to towns like memphis and indianapolis and detroit and you know stuff that's not real far but still takes you five six hours in the car to get to oh yes and if i can interject one 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 point there was uh uh well several years ago my my parents bought me a a, a united states of america guidebook that'd okay. be something that like okay obviously a foreign visitor would want to use for or for uh, coming here 
And there was one thing in there, you know, just in the, in the general information up front that you would always see, the United States is very much lacking in public transportation and intercity rail. So just be warned, you're going to have to rent a car. Yeah, right. And, and right. that is, um, I mean, if you want to, I mean, go for it. But it's just for not everybody wants to be driving all the time. Oh, you no, know, that, no, right, right. kind of, And know. I mean, some of the, in the heyday of the railroad in this country, the railroad was a luxury way to go. I mean, it, it had bar cars and sleeper cars. I mean, I would like to take a trip where I went to sleep and then woke up you know what I mean? At oh, my yes. destination, mm-hmm. sort of a thing. I think they've got some planes now that are, are have some like sleeping quarters and stuff like. Oh that yes, for, yeah. For long flights. Yes, yeah. As a matter of fact, the uh, uh, well, I uh, as some of you probably know, listening to this, I, I took a trip to England in October. Okay. And uh, and I, I flew with Delta, you know, right. and uh, the uh, their flights now they have in addition to like the main cabin coach seats, which is what I I just. I just flew that because I'm yeah. fine with that personally. Sure. But up in uh, up in first class, they have uh, uh, lay down seats. Yeah, right. Yeah, that they have them um, surrounded by a partition that has a door on it, and um, you can go to sleep in it. Yeah, right. It's like five thousand bucks, but I'm not going to pay five thousand bucks for a nap. But, right. But right. Not right. until I hit the big big money. But it's just that's just sure, right. sure, sure, yeah. sure. So, but when you were there, though, you you said you you we were talking before before the podcast, like you were out, like checked out the rail system that was there, right? Yes, in England, and it's obviously completely different than what we've got going. It is, here. yeah. What's the top speed that they're going there? Um, well, well, the the top speed that that they're uh, going there in parts, one hundred and forty miles per hour. Right, right, right. For the most part, and as, yeah, as the world goes, that's not very fast. Because I think the fastest yeah. one is like. 200 and some odd 250 200 like it's in either japan or italy or something like that they've got some like insanely fast high speed yes in china even because it happened that i watched a video last uh it was uh uh, earlier this week that oh now china's building high speed rail because they up until you know just like put put it into perspective a little bit up until about 20 years ago china was uh then as far as the railroads went was like the United States in the in the 1940s. It okay. was all steam. Oh wow! Seriously, yeah, right. it was all steam. In fact, a guy that I used to work with uh, at uh, at one of the railroads because I was a railroad employee for about 10 years, and uh, one of my former co-workers had gone on a trip to China okay. just to see the steam locomotives. Sure, sure. It's like wow, we. I mean, that's. Right. Well, yeah. now they're steaming right past us as far as technologically goes. Correct. I mean, yes. You know, they're, uh, I think they're China's cell phone company five years ago owned 1% of the cell phone market, and now they're somewhere like 30%. Oh, seriously? Like it's Huawei oh, wow. or something. I, I don't know what the name of the company is, mm-hmm. but it's a China. It's not, it's not Apple or like Samsung or any of the, you know, Android phones. They've got their own you know, smartphone and it's, it's gain and speed. Huawei, I believe is the company. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. right, right, right. So, uh, you know, they're, it's coming along and, and, you know, my concern is that if we don't start doing things that are more technologically advanced in this country, we're going to get left behind because we don't have that much more to offer. Our biggest export is movies and music and stuff like that. Well, you know, we've, we've got to get caught up with, with these. And, And those are things that create jobs too. So, you know, if you put high-speed rail in, 
those, there's permanent jobs with that. Right? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so when you were in England and you were you you know you saw the rail system, did you did you get on it and go anywhere? Oh yes, yes, okay. yes, I did. Uh, in fact, uh, before uh, before I left, I bought a rail pass that uh, they sell them in like different combinations that you can either get one like just for for England only or for all of Britain or, or okay. you know d- uh, different. Uh, different days like i just because i was just there for two weeks i got i got an eight-day pass you know what did that cost it was like i think was, i believe it was like 300 and some dollars and oh, so you got an eight-day pass can you just go anywhere anytime when you yes also oh, yeah. 300 dollars, and you've got transportation to go anywhere in the in the country correct for eight days and i did i did uh, uh more than earn that back you know because if i had bought uh well, everywhere that I did go, if I had bought just a same day showing up, buying the ticket to where I wanted to go, I would I could have easily spent double that. Right. Yeah. Now, what's the, the rail system there? Is it a monorail system or is it a two, like, is it like ours where we got two rails on railroad ties? Uh, yes, it, it's it's the same as ours. Okay. You know, it's the same uh, the same track gauge, in other words, if you, uh, and it has been done, and that's uh, something I won't uh, get into it right now, but it has been done that, uh, that, uh, that like, English locomotives have come here to run on our rail on our rail okay, system sure. and uh, i think vice versa too but uh but it's the same track yeah in fact england's the place where, where the railroads as we know it were invented oh sure yeah sure. yeah okay. so i mean they've they've uh of uh, right from the beginning they kind of uh to to maybe lead everybody into why we don't have high-speed rail here it's because uh England, uh, when they first started building their rail system, they had just gotten off of a uh, a construction campaign of building canals because that was kind of like the first thing. Yeah, tr- and, first transports, right? Yeah, and they kind of uh, followed the same principle as canal building, and uh, that is to say that they didn't cross roads for the most part, you know, right. and um, had everything elevated, um, uh, put in a Frankly, put in enough capacity to to, uh, to to run a run a proper service, right? Yeah, okay. and, but that's something we can get into more. Sure, in a bit. sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. So, I mean, overall, you found it pretty enjoyable as far as the the, the experience of being on their rail system. Yes, right. And then, yeah. how would you compare it to ours? Well, uh, well, let's put it this way, Bill. Uh, well, when I was uh, uh, over in England, the uh, the trains there, as as we've discussed, are fast. They're 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 very fast, very efficient, run on time. Uh, you know, for the most part. I mean, you know, it's not perfect, but uh, uh, electrified for the most part. Um, the uh, the trains themselves are very well well appointed on the inside. Very comfortable seats. Uh, mm. Very low noise level. You don't feel drafts. You know, sure, it's sure. just really nice. And then yeah. uh, uh, when I uh, came back, uh, the it was like the probably about the third day that I was back in the country. I decided to go uh, take a trip to downtown Chicago. And it was on one of those really frigid cold days that we had. It was like yeah, right. like zero, or like hovering around zero. Yeah, got on the train, took off. Doors were rattling. Felt a cold draft. Sure, it's sure, like sure. you know, this is ridiculous. So welcome back to America. Right, you right. Know, yeah. Now were the were the trains in England like super busy? I mean, are they packed? Like I've seen, you know, the when I'm, the the now there's a difference between the L, you know, the, in Chicago. Then if you were to take a train, 
you know, across the state. Yes. Like Amtrak or whatever that is, right? That's a Correct. different mm-hmm. setup. So when you're talking about that, are you talking about Amtrak or are you talking about the L? Uh, it would be the the uh, equivalent to Amtrak. Amtrak, okay, yeah. okay. Um, but in England, uh, pretty busy as far yes. as that goes. So, I mean, yeah, it's very busy, and and uh, and part of the excuse me, part of the reason for that is that uh, that that England is a is a small country. I mean, it's a very small country, and and for the most part, the uh, the like around London is, as everybody might guess, is very densely populated. Yeah, right. Uh, so, um, what would be uh, considered like, like in the United States, more of a commuter trip, like a forty-mile or less trip? You know, like you have a job downtown, and, and sure, that, sure, uh, sure. Uh, you can go uh, like forty miles away from London and end up in another, practically another city. Right. That's like. Joliet density. I mean, there were okay. like Joliet density cities like all around in the uh, in uh, in the counties, or you know, like in in Kent and Surrey. And now, how like, do they? Uh, so, so if you're going from like the distance, like from Chicago to Joliet, sort of sort of a deal, mm-hmm. and you're on a train that goes 140 miles an hour or something like that. Is it just that there's not a lot of stops, or does it keep speeding up and then slowing back down and make stops? Because um, I like I I've, or, I don't have any experience riding Amtrak. I have more experience riding like just the train to go to Chicago. Like you know, jump right. on at New Lenox, and then we stop four or five times before we get to the city, sort of thing. So you could never really get up to 140 miles an hour, I wouldn't think. Or does it does it get up? Does it accelerate that fast? Like it's. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Actually, you you are uh, correct in that the uh, the trains do accelerate quite quickly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, then also the uh, there there's enough passenger demand that they have a lot of like, like the evening rush hour at uh, London Waterloo Station is extremely busy. Okay, so people uh, yeah, are taking and, these trains that go 140 miles an hour to come home from work. Right. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, okay. yeah. Some of them uh, t- take those like uh, like there are some people I understand who li- uh, who work in London and they live like uh, like say up north like uh, like in uh, in Peterborough or um, or Stevenage or, or some. So how many city. miles away would that be? That would be like about ninety, I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah, yeah because I know that the uh, that uh, that the distances for me are kind of deceptive uh, just because like we're going along and, and the and the country is pretty well built up so i'm kind of assuming we're still in london yeah but yeah oh, we're in peterborough already oh okay well right yeah. so that yeah. would allow somebody if they lived in say champaign illinois to work in chicago yes because you'd be buzzed right there in 40 minutes correct right right yeah. so that i mean that would make a a big difference as far as the people that didn't want to spend the money to live in the big her huge urban area you could catch the train and go to work every day sort of you know sort of a thing uh mm-hmm. but now thinking about that would would you end up there's got to be a way to buy a cheaper train ticket if you're just using it cause you couldn't spend 300 dollars a week to go back and forth to work right that, that's right yeah because when you're yeah, you know, just like what, like anybody uh, listening to this who uh, who uh, rides Metro downtown every day. Yeah, you can buy like a monthly pass, and it's okay. not going to cost you. You know, as long as you you buy, you know, it's just the same principle like with the airlines that if you that the further in advance you buy your ticket, the cheaper it is. Sure. You know, so it's just you know it's it's the same concept with the with the train tickets okay. there. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So historically. 
you know, not to not to just stay on the. Uh, I mean, I I really am a, a proponent of somebody that, you know, or of a you know a politician that would get in and really want to do high speed rail in this country, uh-huh. because if you could, you know, we're America, we should be able to get, you know, you would think that if we're you know at one point we were building the tallest buildings, we should be able to be in a position to say we're going to have the fastest, safest trains as well and i know that they had some proposals when they were talking about high-speed rail that they were talking about being able to go from like here to california in like five or six hours or something like that that it would be like 300 and some odd miles an hour that this train would go i don't know if that's realistic right yeah i did yeah i did kind of hear the the same thing that you did that Mm -hmm. uh i think that uh i think what they might have been talking about was it's a different uh uh, like a different technology called maglev. Okay. That what it is is that uh, if you've ever taken two magnets and uh, and tried to drive the same poles of the magnet together, yeah. it does it resists. Yeah. Like that, it's kind of the same principle. And, okay. Uh, but uh, but honestly, I've never I haven't heard much about it about that technology for a while now. So right. I'm not sure. Well, how I know Elon Musk is supposed to be working on some sort of. Uh, I think it's in LA or something like that, where there's some sort of underground shuttle system that they're working on. That would be, I think it's on a rail, but it's, uh, I want to say, I thought it was something like similar to the vacuum situation, like at the bank, when you send the shuttle back uh-huh. and it goes sort of a deal. Um, you know, obviously safety's got to be a big issue. I don't know what the, you know, I you see every once in a while when a train, a passenger train derails or, or you know, a train with chemicals on it, derails right. for, you know with, with the both the railroad that we have now uh statistically is rail travel safer than air travel or plane you know car travel a uh, car travel it's got to be just because right right uh yeah yeah for sure uh, uh going by train is is a lot safer than than by car yeah right. uh you know, i don't have the the exact uh, statistics in front of me but uh sure. but that uh that is uh, that if you uh, that anybody listening wants to look it up, they can you know, do so very easily. Right. But as far as like uh, like uh, passenger rail versus air travel is for safety, I'm not so sure because I, I think actually uh, I read at one time that air travel statistically is safer than than uh, than going by train. Yeah, I wouldn't it, doubt it. Right. Now, but if I guess if you wanted to throw something like terrorist stuff into the mix. If a guy hijacked a train, it's on rails. He can't do very much with it except for maybe kill the people on the train. Correct. Mm-hmm. Where if you had a plane, you could do like 9-11 and fly them into buildings yes. and stuff like uh-huh. that. So, you know, there would be that element that would be less. And then when you were when you were taking the train, you know, in, in the U.S. and in, in London, in England, is, the, is it set up the same with security? Is it as just like is it as hard to... You know, like you find on a plane, you're going to be there an hour and a half early and go through the whole, you know, screening process and right. everything. The TSA, is that situation going on for trains uh, there? Uh, no? Yes and no. Yes, in the respect that uh, that on the uh, the uh, train, the high speed train that that uses the uh, there's a tunnel underneath the English Channel that you can take a train from London to Paris. Okay. And then you know elsewhere in Europe too. Uh, my understanding is that yes, they do have security that they, that you do have to pass security just like the airport for for those uh, uh, for for that particular uh, service. But for for just for the normal uh, passenger service, 
you can walk up as long as you have a ticket. Yeah, get on and just you're like fine. Metro. Sure. Yeah, right, okay. But uh, but as a uh, uh, as an extra thing though, uh, there just by virtue of there being a lot more people around at the stations, uh, I noticed in England that uh, that uh, the the national police force uh, uh, that they call British Transport Police that they strictly do the the railroads and okay. I, I think they're like airline too. All right, but uh, but they uh, their police officers were all over the place, and then plus with the uh, the, the way the stations are set up that they have that they have ticket barriers that you have to take and scan your ticket and to to get through the turnstile and okay. all, all right. that type of thing and they have people manning those barriers that uh, it. I felt a lot lot safer there than I do here. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, okay. th- I mean, there is that that extra sense that uh, just with the, with more people being around and that I sure. did feel. I would safer. guess that the one that went underneath the channel would be, uh, you know, a terrorist target. You know, what I mean, as far as like blowing that up would probably cause. Uh, yes, that would. Damage. Yeah, yeah, just because the uh, uh, like for uh, like the ter- uh, terrorism, I tend. I've tend to see that they go after high profile targets. Right, right. You know, right. like they're more apt to go after like a like a Hilton hotel by Heathrow Airport instead of the bed and breakfast where I stayed in Woking. I yeah, mean, that's right. not they're not right. going to uh, they're not going to they're not going to attack a little house because that's not newsworthy. Right, right. Yeah. right. So, okay, so I mean, uh you know, like besides being like I said, you know, pro getting some sort of rail system What's uh, what's some history? Let's let's go backwards before we go forwards because I know that the the like for rail, the future should be like futuristic. It should be yes. like you know completely different than it should be on two pieces of metal anymore. It should be like a monorail system mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Like a you know. Yeah, I mean that that does make sense. Um, be uh, that, uh, just from from the idea that that the idea of having wheel on two rails that's like 200 years old now or, yeah, or maybe right. maybe even further back if you uh count like horse-drawn tram railways serving coal mines and, sure and that, sure i, th- I and saw this statistic in, yeah. in the in this country i think it was 1831 was the first time that trains were running on rails uh yeah the, like that. right so that, that sounds about right years yeah you know I mean? so uh-huh. that's, that's quite a while for that technology to still be in use right. seems a little crazy almost. Yes, but uh, you know, a simplest city sometimes works. It works out well. Uh, as far as the the you know railroad in this country, obviously you know getting people out west and stuff like that after the railroads were built was a whole lot easier than wagon training them out there beforehand. Yes, yeah, because so. for like uh, like when uh, well there, there were settlers going out west and obviously settlers in illinois before the railroads were even yeah right even really imagined and um sure and uh like back when uh when illinois was was first being settled everybody for the most part was uh was establishing major settlements along the rivers like along the illinois river mississippi river and, and that and then uh then as uh things started to get developed uh and when when the railroads were being introduced the uh illinois uh the the uh, illinois government at the time they were building the illinois and michigan canal yeah, and which you think illinois would be yeah. a good place for rail because it's so flat yeah I mean? like there's no, it's probably not that difficult to put 
a rail system in in an area that's flat versus somewhere you got to carve through mountains and right. stuff like that. Yeah, because it was even easier here in Illinois to lay track than it was in England, just because in England it's like uh, I've uh, well I've been to England twice, and I swear I have been through like maybe twenty tunnels. You know that that the ground is not was not scraped flat here by sure, glaciers. Sure. It was it's just all hilly and. Which I'm not complaining about in the least, but that's no, just it's nice would, looking, right? Oh yeah, right, right, as far as a view goes. Uh, so yeah, so Illinois has got to be a place that they, I mean, it's wide spaces between metropolises in Illinois too. So rail has to be a really good way to get products from one point to another. Do you see any thing in the future where where rail would not be the railroad would not be around anymore like, well I mean, yeah yeah i mean just, just kind, of, kind of a silly thing more than anything but uh like it like a, i'm not exactly a star trek fan it's just that i've watched star trek enough that i kind of know like the like the bs technologies that they have yeah, sure like tra- like transport beams and uh and whatever that thing is that they that they'll send Captain Kirk down to the yeah sur- to you know, the Earth right, yeah that right to that the planet, th- yeah. yeah that thing I, I I don't I can't remember what it's called now but uh, right. but uh, like if uh, if down the road if somebody could invent that type of thing that it's like okay you could shoot a load of steel beams to you know from Gary to down to Springfield in like a like a split second yeah right well, obviously yeah. right that'd be way 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 you know somewhere I don't I don't think that's ever going to be but, yeah. Um, so yes, I mean rail would most likely be a part of our future as far right. as definitely in our lifetime. The rail will always be a part of that. But I think in you know three or four generations from now, rail could still be a part of it, maybe a bigger part of it than what is out there. Because if you had more, the amount of energy it probably takes, and I don't know, maybe you know something about this, but if you had 300 people on a train versus 300 people in say 150 cars. The energy's got to be way less to transport Correct. those people in, in a yeah. train. And just and it's just simple logic if you think about it that that if you have uh, have say to three hundred people on a train, the the train itself is uh, is steel wheel on steel rail, and you really can't beat that for for low uh, like okay, there's a word for it that I'm uh, that's escaping me, but but like low rolling resistance. Okay, sure, sure. You know, sure. like whereas if you're driving a, a car or a truck, anything that, that has uh, has rubber tires, you, you've got to overcome the, that air pressure on the tire. Every, you know, as, as the tire's spinning, yeah, right. you're going to have a little bit of a flat spot yeah. on the uh, right at where, sure. where on the contact. Uh, and you're wearing tires out constantly too, yes. where the rail is probably not wearing out the same way either. It's probably Correct. longer lasting. Yeah. yeah. I would think at least, you know, just by physics. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, it seems to me that we could, we could save a lot of money and save people a lot of money if – you know, rail was a way to, and also, you know, you're probably never going to have automobile travel where where, where you're going 250 miles an hour. No. So, you know, safely as far as that goes, where I know that the one I looked up in Japan and Italy, like they were pretty safe and still going like some obscene amount, you know, speed that they were traveling. So it was like, I just think it'd be great to be able to jump on something and be somewhere you know, say Nashville or something like that within, you know, a short period of time. Like oh, yes, there. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you, now, when you were on the train in England, did you go 150, 140 miles an hour? Uh, I believe I did at one point because I didn't. How did it look outside? Uh, it was it was wild. You know, it was just one of those things. It's like I was trying to uh, tell where I was 
and, and every station has station signs on it, like all up and down the platform. It says Peterborough all, sure. all over the place, but I couldn't read a thing because no we were flying by so so blooming fast that I could not read anything. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. so I just gave up and read. I mean, yeah, I just couldn't, yeah. you know. Sure, sure, sure. But it's super smooth anyway, so reading oh, yes. and everything else is probably nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so... Uh, you know, I know that there's. I, you've posted some stuff on social media of like really old uh, engines and stuff like that 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 you were into and stuff. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, what's what's out there? Are there still um, steam locomotives running in the country at all? Oh yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, in, in the United States, they've got. Uh, in fact, really, uh, well, rel- relatively close to the Chicago area, they have. Uh, in uh, McHenry County, up by uh, Marengo, uh, Huntley, in that area, there's a railroad museum. It's called Illinois Railway Museum. That uh, that they do have steam locomotives, both on just display. You know yeah. that you can go just sure. see them, and, and then they also have uh, have uh, they actually have two right now that are in operation, and I think they're going to be be running them both over Memorial Day weekend. So that might be worth checking out for anybody who might be interested in that. And, right. Uh, My mind always goes to the future. Like, I always go to, like, where what would it go in the future? And, like, uh, my sons are real into science, so we were always talking about, you know, different, uh, you know, fuels and stuff like that as far as, like, you know, solar and hydrogen and stuff like that. I mean, do you see anything in, in rail that would be... You know, like I, I wouldn't think a nuclear, uh, you know, um, train, but something different than diesel or steam or anything like that. Well, actually, Bill, I wouldn't necessarily discount the nuclear thing. Oh, really? Just, just because, uh, and this was something that I'm not sure if it's really something that anybody's been seriously working on or not. But it's something that I kind of gave some thought that, uh, just being that. Uh, that like the like our navy has nuclear powered submarines so right. and that battleships and that, all that stuff that, right. that in at least in theory anyway you could use a uh, make a small enough nuclear reactor that you could fit on a uh, on a, uh, on a on a railroad locomotive sure. and uh, and use it to uh, um, well I'm not sure how the exact propulsion would be but but definitely you would have to use the uh, the uh, nuclear reactor to boil uh, boil water to produce uh, steam, you know to create right, steam right. and then you could either do it like a steam locomotive say or electric, or, or electric. yeah right. that would probably be the be the most uh, realistic uh, way to do it because sure, I think sure. that's how the submarines are are, are uh, propel, uh, propelled uh, that's electric right right yeah. right right no I mean again that that stuff's all neat you know as far as like if it's a something that would last a very long time on, on a very little bit of fuel and not have you know, terrible pollution, carbon factors, and stuff like that. As far you know, nuclear's not, uh, you know, um, fossil fuels. Right. So it's you know, you, you're not the same kind of waste. Uh, you know, the old stuff. I like. What what else do you know, man? I mean, uh, tell me you know all about like uh, how much stuff are we still? I I still see trains constantly, and some of them are insanely long as far as the amount of cars that yes are on them. Uh-huh. well well just to kind of touch a little on a little bit more of the historical stuff then yeah. we'll, we'll kind of get on the to to the way that, that freight railroads are worked uh, sure. in the united states now that uh, uh in the united states too they uh there's an organization in uh in fort wayne that they run that they're they have one locomotive in operation and uh and the uh, web address is seven six five dot org that you can take and look them up 
and they were the uh, uh, the pe the people who owned this one locomotive that uh, that was actually out uh, running between Joliet and LaSalle Street Station a couple of years ago. That, okay. that I rode one of the trips uh, a couple of years ago, and um, and right now I think the locomotive is out running. There's a line that goes through a state park in Ohio that I really want to do that one because it's really it, it's like uh, if you're familiar like Turkey Run State Park or uh, or or Star of Rock, it's okay. kind of like like that multiplied by ten. Sure, it's something like that. You know that, that I'd really like to like to ride on that. Right, right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, then also as far as uh, uh, like a. Uh, uh, sponsored by a railroad company, uh, Union Pacific Railroad. They just restored one of uh, their steam engines that they use. I think it's like the biggest steam locomotive in the world, or something. That they restored that for hmm. the uh, for the uh, Transcontinental Railroad uh, anniversary. You know, okay. so that, that's what's been kind of happening with, sure, with sure. that. I think it'd be great. I've taken a lot of trips, you know, as far as wrestling goes. We've driven from here to Oklahoma, um, you know, uh, into Missouri, Kansas. Uh, we haven't gone, I haven't gone, like, to Nebraska or anything like that, but I would think a trip out west on a train, obviously, you know, again, I like the futuristic stuff, something that went 250 miles an hour would be just spectacular because, honestly, when we even just drive the five or six hours to go to Iowa for a wrestling tournament, there is absolutely nothing to see. Right. It's, I mean, I'm sure looking out the you know window of a train, and you can see some distance away. It's nice to see the prairies and the farm fields and all that stuff, but I would like them just to see them faster because you sure. know, like, it, there's nothing. And it would probably be spectacular if you could take one full through the mountains because oh, yeah. right. I mean, the view would be awesome. We, I mean, we've got majestic views in this country. I just think it would be a great trip to take if you were, you know, I liked the trips when I was a kid. I know my parents probably hated them or whatever, but the car trips when we went to wherever we went, we never went, we never went that far. We, you know, if we were going to Florida to Disney or whatever like that, we took a plane. But if we were going to Missouri, if we were going to Oklahoma, I think we did drive one time to Texas. And you can't spend really any time like with each other, but in a train – you, you could do whatever you wanted. I mean, if a family, you could have a your own car, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so or your you own, like, you know, your own uh, like a compartment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that would be a much nicer trip as far as that one, especially if you've got a like an enormous window to look out the entire time and you can do whatever you want as far as take a nap, you know, play a game, interact with each other. I mean, nowadays everyone just be looking at their damn phone the entire time. But, right. Uh, I just think that'd be a way better way to travel if it was easier to jump on and go and be economically cheaper than than an air flight and not as uh, the security wouldn't have to be as crazy if you're just driving something over land. You know right. I mean? so, yeah. Yeah. Because there is that. But uh, I kind of did did a. Uh, just for information's sake, I looked up like a, uh, like the scenario would be if you like anybody who lived in in the Chicago area wanted to go to Seattle. Okay, yeah, uh, because you ways. you can right. take Amtrak to Seattle, but okay. the problem is that uh, well, of course, it's going to take you a good a good two days two full days to get there on tra on the train. Right, because that's like 70 miles an hour. So. Right. right, yeah. And then, uh, uh, and it's going to be, if you if you buy, uh, if you go by, by, a co by coach, 
it's not very it's not that expensive of course to, again depending upon what when you buy the ticket right but you're going to kill yourself by right the time. I, yeah right. see it's, it's bad enough flying a, a, a flying on a transatlantic flight it, yes, it, you know right. it's, yeah i just wouldn't want to do that no right. you know so really my conclusion would be with that is that uh that i would fly you know yeah. like if i wanted to go to seattle i would as fly. of now yeah. right. right if they could if they could quadruple the speed of that thing make it go 280 miles an hour now you're talking about something that could take 10 hours or less to get there i would that wouldn't be that terrible oh right right yeah not at all because it would because that would uh of there's something i'm I'm trying to get at but i can't quite put it put in the words but uh you can uh, because the problem with, with riding the train now is that depending upon where you get on and where you get off, just because it's going to be running 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. you know, that you could wind up having to get off the train at 2 o'clock in the morning or wait at 2 o'clock, you know, sure. whatever, which right. is not something most people really want to do. No, no. Now, have you ever, like, so I used to take this trip to Canada, and we, we did it like uh, six times. And it was a, a bus trip. So we met up at a bar in Chicago. We got on a bus, and then they, they drove you on the bus all the way up to uh, Eagle Lake, Ontario. And, you know, you got off the bus. Well, the, the bus ride was more than eight hours. It's like a 14-hour bus ride. Right. So at some point, they have to stop. They meet another driver. The original driver gets in the car and goes back home or whatever he does. And then the next driver takes you the rest of the way. On a train, if you were doing something from here to Seattle, do they just have drivers that are taking shifts and sleeping? Or? Uh, no, no. What what they do is like for the uh, for for the uh, for the operating crews, like like the conductor, the uh, and and the uh, uh, the the engine, uh, you know, the en- the engineer. Yeah. Uh, they they got crew districts set up that like they'll have, uh, say, I believe on a. Uh, 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 on the route that the that the Empire Builder takes, uh, which is the one that goes from uh, Chicago to Seattle, that I believe that they have a crew change in um, in Milwaukee. You know, it's just like a short haul, just because they they use the same uh, they use the, the same crew pool. I believe I know somebody who works for Amtrak, and he's probably going to correct me on this later, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they change crews in Milwaukee. Okay. And then uh, and from Milwaukee, uh, there's another crew that goes to, um, I think they just go to La Crosse, Wisconsin. And then from there, uh, that crew goes to Minneapolis, and then they just keep relaying across, just because I'm not familiar enough so with now, West. So if, if, if a guy was you know, the conductor or the engineer, and he drove from point A to point B, and you got to get all the way to point F for the whole trip, does he just spend the night? at point b sleep and then take drive the train back eventually yeah yeah yeah, yeah okay. because so they, like a pilot does right thing. Okay. yeah because right. they'll, they'll because they're on a layover you know yeah, you know right. like they'll stay be staying in a hotel or something until they get called back to you know the for, sure, for another sure, run back sure. so i mean you know that those are all the logistics of trying to get you know obviously public transportation you know as far as that goes i mean that's what it takes for a plane, that's what it takes for anything that's going to transport a bunch of people. Is some guy's got to drive that thing. Now, couldn't couldn't trains become driverless? I mean, we're talking about uh, you know automated uh, semi truck drivers. They say in five or seven years, that's it. They're going to be done. They're just going to be you know the Google or you know Tesla's working on a beta program right now that the self driving trucks are just going to drive everything everywhere. 
if it's on a rail, why couldn't a train be a drone? The answer is yes. Okay. Yeah, because I believe it's already being done for on a uh, like on a subway system. I think Washington D.C.'s metro subway system. I think they do it that way. Okay. I'm. I got a buddy of mine, Jeff, who's who's a conductor. You know, for the local trains. You know, here in Chicago. And I mean, I'm sure those guys. That's their livelihood. It's probably maybe upsetting to them to have it be where there's. You know, their job is going to be cut. You know, yes, like, that's the yeah. See, that's the problem because uh, uh, because I still remember on, on my trip in England, I ended up on a uh, on a train that uh, that they it was driver engineer. You know, like over there they they just call him a driver. Yeah. But there was nobody, no employees of the railway on the train on the train itself. Oh really? And it happened that uh, well, I was somewhat lost and. Uh, because I went to the wrong station and took the wrong train, yeah. you know, and uh, and I wanted to ask somebody a question, but there was no one around to ask. Right. But eventually it worked itself out. But uh, it's just the sense that there was nobody there to answer questions. Yeah, and you know, I think they could easily solve that with a kiosk, right? I mean, there should just be on the train somewhere a screen where you could go to the screen, and then somebody working in an office could do screen time with you and right. you could be like hey and they would know exactly where you were at you were at a screen of theirs they could track that be like all right listen this is what you got to do you got to get off here get on another train and go you know what i mean like they could help you out as far right. as that goes and it'd be easily accessible which it seems crazy to me that they wouldn't have that going on right now you know yeah it seems like a very easy thing to do right uh but and i mean i'm just coming up with a uh, you know, top of my head, like how could you fix that situation? That sure. seems like an easy way to fix. Right. And I mean, I'd rather have a, uh, you know, a conductorless train than go to a restaurant and have it be the food prepared by robots. I want to uh, yeah. be able to talk to the guy making my steak or you know whatever like that, so I can get make sure it's done right. If if I've got a problem, I can go to him. Where you know, if I know I'm going from here to New Orleans, as long as the train goes from here to New Orleans. I'm good. Like, right. That's exactly what I want, um, sort of thing. So, you know, like I, 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 I'm, you know, curious to see. I want to see technology take off. I want to see things get better, and you know, and and, and you know, be easier for people to obtain, to go places, to do things, and everything else. That right. that creates a better economy, as far as that goes. But back to the the older stuff. So, I mean, rail had to be at one time the premier way to travel. Yes. Because there was no planes. Of course, yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, because when the, when the railroads were first starting to uh, to get to be uh, introduced and started to get to be popular, the only other way was was horse drawn transport. That yeah, was the only yeah, other yeah. real good way to go. Right. And uh, and of course, if you're going going 30, 40 miles per hour, that's a lot better than than uh, ten or less. So, right. Yeah. Right. Really. Really. Yeah. Right. Really. Really. You know, short and. You know, you're if you've got a horse drawn it, you got to stop. That thing's got to eat and and sleep and and everything else. It's not like, you know, a train, especially if they were, you know, in the future not manned. But you could just get on that thing, go from here to Seattle, never stop. And you know, if it was the you know 300 miles an hour, it would it would really be efficient as far oh, yeah. as, as the way it would. Yeah, do because it. what would be great then is that you. That uh, being that there would be nobody, no person having to to operate it, mm-hmm. you, you're getting rid of the crew fatigue issue. 
right. There's going to be people who are going to kill me when they when they hear me talking like this because no, I, no, but, I, but, but know, it's just right. but I, I mean I, we're, it's kind of like like theorizing no, for the future. I don't care about any future, of that. To be honest, the, you better figure it out because yeah. you know the the Paul Bunyans of the world are going to be left by the wayside. That stuff is going to be over with. I mean, we're, we're going to have serious trouble in this country in 10 years when there's millions and millions of people. We're going to figure out what to do with all these people that don't right. have jobs. Uh-huh. So, you know, that stuff's inevitable. It's going to happen. I think right now I've seen some news stories where, so like they're doing the driverless uh, semi-trucks, and what they're doing is they're putting a semi-truck driver in the passenger seat, and he's got a set of controls. Like he can stop it and you know if something goes wrong or he can you know he's supposed to be monitoring the situation right. as far as that goes but essentially the the truck is doing all the work and they've got the semi truck figured out to the point where it can fuel itself it can pull up to a fueling station fuel itself it'll go if it, you know if you're an amazon truck it can dock itself the amazon you know facility is fully automated so it's forklifts are loading the truck and everything else there's not a person there it's all doing what it's supposed to do and then the truck closes up and it goes to point b if it has to fuel itself fuel it so like they they're gonna have this thing figured out where it just does everything and there's one guy monitoring 20 trucks as to all right it's headed down you know these five are headed down i-80 these five are headed down 57 and that's what they're doing you know everything is going just the way it is if there's a problem, then he's there to alert somebody. But otherwise, they're just doing what they do. And there are truck drivers, you know, they've got that Paul Bunyan mentality that they're going to somehow stop it. And they park their big rig in front of the fueling station for the automated fueling so that the truck can't fuel and stuff like that. But, right. you know, that only lasts till the cop shows up and tells you to move the goddamn vehicle mm. and everything else. You're not going to stop progress by putting up roadblocks so the vehicles can't do what they got to do right you better start thinking about what's going to be my next career path and if you are you've got kids that are 19 20 years old probably getting them them into truck driving is not a good idea because that job is not going to be there when they're 30 when they're 40 right no it is not right right right. so i mean the same thing with the with the train stuff and you know once you, there, almost every job you can think of, including stuff that you wouldn't think of. I watched a, a, a they had a documentary on HBO. Uh, I think it was like the future of jobs or something like that. But even surgeon for some like basic surgeries, like a harness surgery and stuff like that, robots can do that without like they can you know program it to feel the tissue soft, the membranes, everything else, and that a robot will do the thing. They're doing some surgeries where the doctor is technically doing the surgery but he's doing it by drone so he's doing everything and so like all this stuff's going to happen and there's going to be lots and lots of people out of jobs and we're going to figure out as a country what we're going to do when someday we're not going to need ditch diggers they're just going to send a machine over there and it's going to dig all the ditches yeah because really the the only uh uh, thing that i can offer as far as that goes that uh, once uh everything starts to get automated and the and the uh like the job market does not necessarily catch up that I think instead of us all working, mm-hmm. all of us being workers, being employees, yeah. we're all going to be investors and owners. Right. That's kind of my theory. Well, that's what they do in, uh, uh, what is it, Alaska. They get what's called, a, uh, they don't call it, they don't call it welfare, they call it a dividend. 
Right. So they all collect, and it's it's the the money that is paid for the government, I guess, drilling in Alaska and all the other stuff. These people get paid just a dividend for being Alaskan citizens. And I mean, you got to live through 10 months of winter to, you know, to get the dividend, but it's the same thing as the native Americans that live on the reservation that have a casino, they all get a dividend also. Yes. You know, if the country is producing, the problem with the country is, is that the, you know, Right-wingers' heads are going to, like, explode because they're going to feel like, uh, you know, now you're going to have to hand people money. We're calling it whatever we're calling it. Call it a dividend. But there's a candidate for president running right now who's running on UBI, which is the universal basic income, mm-hmm. because he's his point isn't that he wants to give people money. That It's not like, I want to give you money, vote for me. It's saying that if there's 5 million, and there are 5 million truck drivers in this country are going to be out of work, in five or ten years and then you take into consideration all of the other jobs i mean they're talking about having fast food restaurants that are just a building that you pull up to come to a kiosk order your food and then you get it from it's like a machine pretty much there's there's like two employees in the entire place and they're monitoring the machine oh yeah because because i know full well that could be possible because when i was in high school for about a year i worked at the mcdonald's in frankfurt yeah and uh it's like okay it it was it's just really basic i mean i i kind of learned how to cook there yeah you know and and i mean but it's just really basic i mean it's just as long as you have a have a a like a a temperature monitor you know to, to make sure that 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 uh that like the meat is, is cooked properly right. and everything, you don't have to have a person doing that. Right. right yeah. Right, right, right. Well, I, my thing is, from what I think, well, you know, just to think about it for a couple of minutes, education is going to be the most important thing to the people in this country. Because if you want to be a person with a job, you better be the person that can work on the robot. You better be the person that can write the software programs. You, you better be the person that's educated not the person that's not now some jobs the you know the documentary i watched some jobs are going to be tough to automate they can't automate like a residential plumber because the machines wouldn't be able to come into your house and change your faucet out so you're still going to need a guy for that so there's right. there's going to be jobs like that but there's also going to be situations where there's a lot of industries that the jobs are gone you know we we do weird things in this country we look at a place like amazon and if you're of a certain political persuasion, you say, well, that's a job creator. And if you really look at it, it's not. It's a, it's a job destroyer because you're taking what used to be thousands of retail jobs. Hi, can I help you? You look like a size, you know, if you're a woman, size six, size right. whatever size you are, and then, you know, show you the clothes. Like, you know, that was a job at one time. Now everything's on Amazon. Now right. it's Amazon wardrobe. You pick everything out. They send it to you in a box. You try it out. If you don't like it, you send it back. So those jobs are gone. Those are all going to be done by AI and everything else. So it's going to be finished. And if you go to the factories where there used to be a person walking around with a dolly, it's all automated forklifts. The shelves in those places move on their own and everything else. So all those warehouse jobs, they're all gone. Yes. We don't hardly mm-hmm. manufacture anything anymore. If you go into a car plant, no one's turning a wrench hardly. It's all robot arms building stuff and everything else. So production is still there, but the jobs aren't going to be there. They're going to be gone. So what are you going to do when we're the only job to get is to be Jeff Bezos's butler because right. he's the guy with all the money and I mean even Jeff Bezos has an invested interest in the general public having money because who's going to buy his stuff 
Right. So, you know, this whole thing collapses if we don't have... The universal basic income needs to be looked at by people that are against welfare and stuff like that because universal basic income is can be a means to actually get rid of the welfare system that we have. And the welfare system that we have in this country is a trap. If they give you a $1,000 a month worth of stuff, but then they take it away as soon as you earn $12,000 a year, then the people don't want to earn more than $11,000 a year because I'm going to lose 12000 if I earn one more thousand, right? Yeah, and that's a, that's a problem because it takes away everybody's incentive. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, because there are there are people on welfare that they're not uh, that uh, that that they're there just because uh, again through uh, the technological reasons or their company went out of business or, or something. Or just they grew up in an area that poor education mm-hmm. and everything else. They couldn't get a job except for a Burger King. Yes, that too. Right, yeah. that, that sort of thing. And then the the I'm. Sure, most of these people, if you went to them and said, all right, John, you know, you're making $11,000 right now. We're going to give you a raise and you're going to make $26,000. Well, the guy would be like, that's fine. I'll take that raise. But if you're only going to give me a raise, I'm going to make $14,000, but they're going to take $12,000 away from me. What can I do? The UBI is supposed to be set up in in a thing where because across the board, Everybody gets it that doesn't opt out of it. So if you're, you know, ultra wealthy, you're supposed to opt out of it. Um, would get that income. So regardless of what you earn or what you do, so it's not a trap anymore. Mm-hmm. So then, if you're getting the thousand dollars a month, and you're also working at Burger King, and you make twenty thousand dollars a year there, now you're making thirty-two thousand dollars a year, and you can make this thing work. You can also take another job or you can take a raise and you're not in jeopardy of losing anything on the UBI mm-hmm. front. So then you could be a person that obtains the status of making $40,000 a year and you can make this thing work. And I mean, you know, I haven't, I'm not a big, you know, guy you know, trying to get this UBI. I don't, I don't care about that. I work for a living and everything else, but it seems like an inevitable thing that's going to have to happen if you're going to have tens of millions of people out of jobs, which right. is going to happen. Well, so, well come see, with a better yeah. solution then. Right. You know? Yeah, because so. see, see, part of the, the thing that uh, with, with uh, any kind of universal income like that, you know, under the scenario that, that you're painting, right. is that sure, uh, yes, people do need, need money to, uh, to survive. I mean, it's just a basic fact that, that sure. we're not going to go back to, to – uh, to, to being out on the frontier doing our own thing again, it's not going to happen No, and happen I don't think anyone way. could survive on $12,000 a year. Right. You're not going to make it. Well, but the problem is that uh, that there, at least in my mind, there should be some kind of work uh, some kind of work requirement with that just to save people's pride. Yeah, you, you would know, be, hope that they're, well, some people I think no matter what it is, they're going to always try and work and then there are people that are obviously going to abuse that system and and not work i think the point of the ubi versus the welfare where there's a work requirement for welfare is that if you give it to everybody then this is the starting point right here and then you can do with your life whatever you want to do with it no one can be crying that i'm you're getting something you you can't cheat this system because everybody's getting the same right what you do with the rest of it is up to you. You know what I mean? If you can make more money than that, that's fine. Um, I don't know if that'll ever be a scenario. I know they're trying it in some spots. And like I said, it's not something that I'm, you know, at all pushing for. And the first time I heard about it, I was like, that is the dumbest 
thing. And then when you start looking at the statistics of the amount of people that are going to be out of jobs, and you start thinking, well, what are these people going to do? Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this? And then knowing that the welfare system that we have in this country is a trap, I don't want millions of people put in that trap either. We're now, I can't work because I'm stuck. I got this, you know what I mean? So like if everybody got it across the board, at least the people that, you, I think you're in, almost incentivizing people to be ambitious then because then you there is nothing holding you back. Right. Go. If you, you know, if you're, I mean, if you're industrious and ambitious and your only skill set is to work at McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's and all that other stuff, then I guess you can take your $12,000 a year and then you can make $15,000 a year at three of those jobs and be a guy that makes $60,000 or $50,000 a year because you're getting twelve and the 15000 from each of those jobs. You're, you're probably killing yourself working in those grease pits. Sure. But... Nothing's stopping you from doing that. Where right. the other way, they give you the twelve thousand dollars in, you know, uh, SNAP or you know, Section Eight housing or whatever it is, and then you get to a certain point. And I know guys that are uh, handicapped that work for hospitals and stuff like that, and they get to a certain point and they're like, "Listen, I can't come to work anymore." And they're like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "Well, he's like, it's you know, it's December, but I'm at the cap of they're gonna take away." my disability if I work any more hours. Right. And they're going to take away so much that I can't make it up in the four weeks that are left in the year. So he goes, you know, I can't work. I can't. And then if someone was like, oh, man, things are going great. Can you just work an extra shift? No, I can't. Because right. if I work an extra shift, I'm going to lose so much. So, like, I think the welfare system that we have actually stifles people from, you know, doing more right. when they could. Yeah, yeah, because the, the, the way I see it, Bill, is that, that – uh, that there should be a some sort of safety net just to keep everybody from at the very least from sure. starving to death. Right. I mean well, that's kind of you're going to have an apocalyptic situation if you've got 30 million people that all of a sudden don't have an industry to work in. Anymore. Yeah. What are they going to do? They're going to have to feed themselves, so they're going to crime is going to rise for yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and, and we we seriously can't have that because no. that that's uh, uh, that's. Uh, if anything's un-American, that is. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, but uh, but as far as like uh, like uh, as you say, like uh, like having thirty, uh, what was it, like thirty million people. Well, out I don't know if you take it, certain industries. If you take you know all the manufacturing jobs, and you take all the you know if bus drivers and truck drivers, and you know you start taking all these jobs mm-hmm. that become automi- automated. Right. Well, yeah, you're going to get to that point some at some point. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think the the unemployment's you know if there's 325 million people in this country, and you know half of them are in the workforce. So you got 150 million people that are eligible to be in the workforce because you know the rest are little kids or retired people, old people, and stuff like that. If you take a 30 million person hit to that, it's massive. I mean, you're talking about 20 percent. Right. So, you know, we're complaining when the unemployment rate is 7 or 8%. If your unemployment was 27%, now what? Yeah. You got big problems right. in the country. Yeah. And, I mean, you got big problems from the from the bottom to the top because if you're Walmart and 27% of the population, it's not that they are just unemployed. They can't there are no jobs to get because we've done such a great job of doing the production is still be able to produce everything because everything's produced by robots. Right. If you have a if you have a robot truck driver 
our truck driver right now drives for eight hours and he's got to sleep for 10 and then he can drive for eight again or whatever his ledger book says. Right. If you're a robot, 24-7. Oh, yeah. Go, go, go. Yeah, go. Your production will be through the roof. Of course, yeah. Right. Yeah, because it, uh, yeah, yeah, because like in, uh, uh, it, like if and when most of that, everything becomes automated. Yeah. Of what, because I'm just trying to get, uh, because I understand where 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 technology is going. And we got off on this but, tangent because yeah. I think an easy, one of the easiest things in the world to automate would be the train system. Oh yeah, yeah. Because let's get back to the railroads because yeah, the railroads, it, because sure. uh, because right. we're kind of going down a rabbit hole. We are, but, we are, yeah. we are for sure. I mean, yeah. you know, and that's what. But podcasts kind of do deep dives on stuff, right? And it does go, you know, veers off, and it's, that's fine by me. Mm-hmm. Like you know, unless you have already you got to get going or something. Oh like no, that. I'm okay. fine. No, I'm um, perfectly. But you know, so like you know, it's really for my podcast is really just like. It's kind of like whatever, wherever the conversation takes us, and the, the thought process and stuff like that. I'm I'm trying to get people that listen to the podcast to go on that same journey to just right. like go down rabbit holes and think about stuff. You know, if it was a TV show, no one would watch it. So you know, like you don't you don't need to stay like on a, on a certain topic. Where this, you know, wherever your brain takes you, as far as that goes. But I mean, I do want to hear more about the yeah. the, the train. Yeah, stuff. because see, like like the like one thing that as far as like uh like in the railroads that technologically eliminated a lot of jobs was just transitioning from steam locomotives to electric and diesel. Okay. That you didn't have to have. Uh, I thought there was like a little picture in here. I mean, not that anybody out out in the world can see this, but. Uh, but uh, every steam locomotive crew had had the had the had an engineer and a fireman, you know, like shoveling coal into the fire. Oh right, 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 yeah. right, right, sure, yeah. Sure, so once sure. once the diesel locomotives came, obviously you don't need to do that. It's it's just every single in, thing that we come up with loses jobs. Right, but, it's crazy, but, but it becomes more efficient. Right, it's better. It's a better system. I mean, I don't know how unsafe a steam locomotive had to be i mean those things had to burst at some point right? uh yes right. yeah yeah because it's just one of those uh that that you have to uh to keep an eye on on the water level and they've got they've got gauges for that in the locomotive like they have a uh a thing that everybody called the water glass that that all this is just a uh, just a piece of like a window that right. you could monitor the level of the, of the boiler water and um and uh, and of course the the you know the there's a steam pressure gauge that you would have to keep uh keep an eye on sure and physically look at the fire to make sure that that stuff is at, that the coal or whatever is actually burning as opposed to just sitting there just right. not and you know so so there are uh, different different skills th- that are required for operating a steam locomotive that aren't necessarily transferable but in a way, it kind of is that, like, if you were working on a uh, uh, on a steam locomotive crew, and then, well, well, I, I, not, I'm not getting promoted to engineer, and they, they, they're letting people go. Yeah. Then the idea that you have concentration skills, um, just any any kind of uh, what would be considered soft skills, yes, you can transfer to another industry. Yeah, you know, like I've got a book at home that uh, that was about a uh, a man who uh, worked for one of the railroads in the steam locomotive service, and he uh, it was during World War II and a little bit after, and then he got tired of working for the railroad. He he had more ambition in life. He found that he had more ambition in life and everything. So he went to work for an insurance company and retired from the uh, from uh, for 
being an agent and an underwriter and all that right. stuff. So that there are like transferable attitudes that that build a bridge to other jobs. Sure, 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 yeah. sure, sure. So, now, I mean, I, the railroad to me is, I can't think of another industry that's like that large that has withstood the the test of time like the railroad has. I mean, almost 200 years. I think the they were started building the first railroad I read today in 1827. So we're eight years from being 200 years from when they first started building the first railroads in this country. Yes. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing that there were railroads in Europe and in England before that even. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's where, you that's know, that's where we, right. that's where it started. It yep. So mm-hmm. you're talking about... I can't think of another technology that is virtually the same technology today as it was. I mean, you know, the engines are different, the the cars are different, everything on the rail, but the railroad itself is pretty much the same thing. I mean, they're putting spikes in railroad ties and... I, I mean, I'm buying railroad ties for my retaining wall on the lake here and their new railroad ties... So they're still manufacturing railroad ties. Sure. Like, and I'm, I'm sure they're out there replacing old ones and stuff like that with, with those. But that's something that 200 years ago, I mean, 200 years ago, there were no cars. There was no such thing as an automobile. Right. And now we're driving Teslas that go zero to 60 in two seconds. There are, you know, electric motors and, you know, everything else. So it seems crazy to me that that has, I mean, it must have worked that well. Because, I mean, I see like a railroad or a train going by and i've never i've never counted the cars i know people some people do count the cars but like there's a hundred and some odd cars on a train hauling coal iron you know cars all kinds of stuff on this train and it still seems like a really efficient way to get things from point you know the the train leaves chicago and goes to uh you know even a short one in minneapolis or you know say it goes out to kansas city or something like that a a 10-hour ride and then from there all the trucks take everything if you look at every lumber yard that's that i've ever been to and i've been to a whole mess of them there's always train tracks that are somewhere near it because that's how they used to get the train would stop right outside the lumber yard and yes. they would unload the lumber like right so like if you go to uh shillings in in new Lana, or in man uh, mokina uh it's the train it's right by the train tracks always right by the train tracks fox lumber that was in frankfurt was right by the old plank road train tracks yes. right there because mm-hmm. that's where they were getting everything off of so the the the, tr- the freight train would stop at the lumber yard they'd pull everything off of there they're still transporting everything that way which like i said same thing same metaphor 300 people on a train and you know they all they're all on the train versus two people in 150 cars the energy differences is enormous between just the train is way cheaper than the cars are it's got to be the same thing when you're hauling all that stuff and a diesel engine is something that tows and and pulls better than a vehicle does anyway so if you said you know i'm going to put everything in a pickup truck that'd be a terrible way to do it versus this train yeah so i mean do you see any end in freight trains i don't i think that you'll i think 100 years from now you'll still have maybe they'll be better maybe they'll be on a better system 
but I think they'll still be hauling goods from point A to point B. I'm saying, you know, that it's 300 years that we've been doing trains. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll still be around. It's just that uh, that uh, it's it's going to evolve, uh, just like it has been. Because like uh, like even like uh, like even as recently as 50 years ago, a lot of uh, uh, like hard goods, like furniture and appliances and, and things, were hauled in boxcars. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, just a boxcar. And yeah, the things uh, and, the bums used to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Stow away. Yeah. And, and what, what was that? What was that ad that uh, I think it was Roger Miller or something? It was like an American Express ad that he was up in the boxcar singing his. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I remember everything. It's just, uh, and and then I don't remember everything. But <laughs> but uh, it's. Uh, but yeah, in, in the, what what happened there was that uh, that the railroads could not compete uh, with with the hauling traffic in that respect because they would have to take the box car, spot it at a uh, at a uh, at a warehouse, and okay. then somebody would have to go in with a forklift or pallet jack or something and, and get and unload the sure. car. But now, uh, just to uh, show the evolution of everything that instead of uh, like transferring from a box car to a truck now everything like like at the furniture factory is loaded directly into a shipping container, container. Yeah, the container and then it's loaded right. on onto essentially a flat car right and then it's Yep. transported to wherever yep. the next interval so all the trains yeah. you see they all have the sea containers on there and that thing can go from the train right to the harbor and then onto a ship and go across the ocean you know what i mean like it, that's how that those those things are easily picked up the whole they pick up the whole box and put it in right. it instead of unloading it sort of thing another way to kill more jobs right yeah I that's mean, true before you yep. had people walking in there and they're taking everything out of there now they just pick the thing up with a crane and put it on the flatbed truck and then the truck takes it to the you know sea and they put it on the ship and they you know yeah right it just right so it's yeah, it, yeah it's just another way which it'll evolve and everything else i i just think that at some point it's got to evolve to it's always evolving to less people right and yeah it's going to evolve that way and i mean you know i can't think of a better way to get things except for like you said if they had the transporter beam you know where they could beam me up scotty right sort of mm -hmm. deal which you know that's not in in our you know horizon anytime soon but uh what about anything uh if if someone said all right tell me something historically that it would like blow somebody's hair back anything historically that you know as far as trains go well like, well uh, uh well well in the state of illinois um and it's still kind of unbelievable in my mind is that like like the the illinois central Railroad. well uh, you know the CN out, yeah, out yeah, like yeah. around like right by your house here. It, it was the Illinois Central Railroad, and that's been around since the 1850s. Yeah, right. And it just blows my mind that it's like the because I found old pictures, and it's like they got these these crazy little locomotives hauling these little cars, and uh, it's like okay, they were hauling freight like that. Well, and, every <laughs> single one that's a, the, every single one of the grain elevators that you see is on the railroad system too if you go into manhattan the the little town that's been there since you know 1890 something or 1880 something on the railroad track is the grain elevator where they have all other grain in and put it on the train mm -hmm. and then the next thing on there is the lumber yard right so i mean those two things are always those are the big goods that they're going to haul out of here i mean if you had a quarry 
you'd want to somehow get things from. I mean, quarries obviously you've got to get them where the where the stone is. Right. But you've got to get the quarry material to the railroad, get it on the train, and you know get it gone. So. Yeah, I mean the, the the railroad system has obviously been a enormous factor in our history as yes. far as how we got things done, how we got things built, um, yeah. all that stuff. Well, so, probably something else that that might be even more uh, hard to imagine is that uh, uh, when when the uh, when in the United States, actually elsewhere in the world too, you couldn't get food on the train. Yeah, because it's like, uh, like that's the first thing that I think of. Like, where am I going to get food? Yeah. yeah and, it's, and and I get to the point that uh, I see somebody with food. And it's like, are you eating that? And it's like because I, I need to have uh, I need to know where I'm going to get a good meal or, or something. Sure. Yeah. But like when uh, when you're riding the the train, whether in England or here or whatever, what they would have to do is stop the the train at meal time and then get everybody off. Right. And then go to a go to a restaurant and then get fed really quickly and then get back on the train and that. Yeah, right, right. And uh, and just out of uh, out of curiosity, uh, because it was uh, because I had remembered it was on a on a list uh, that I took a class in college that we had a list of, of uh, like like musical movies that we had to pick from that okay. we had to pick a musical movie and write a report on it. Sure. And and much to my surprise, I this was the movie I did not pick, which I should have. And uh, it, what it's uh, what what is what the main thrust of it is is that the uh, that the Santa Fe Railway uh, they before they had dining cars they had uh, uh, there was a company called Fred Harvey Company that established restaurants along the line of the along Santa the Fe route. and uh, sure, sure. and they've got like uh, like some of the uh, uh, you know some of these restaurants and they they evolved into hotels that are still around us as, as historic structures okay and uh, and it was movie you know the, I I checked out the movie and of course it had Judy Garland in it you know yeah, and not right, really right. you know you don't want to pops into my mind it's like I'm not I'm not a fan of hers and right. the, but it's just that. Um, that they, uh, I mean, it, it was a good, it was a good movie because what once you understand uh, that uh, that not everybody at work is gonna come off the train and break in the song. I mean, yeah, it's, right. it's just, sure, it's, sure, I sure. mean, it, you just have to understand the concept of it. You know, I never understood the concept of musicals for a long time. No, but uh, but anyway, uh, uh, it got across the idea that uh, that that the Harvey houses were like the like the first sign of civilization like in Kansas and, and that because they showed directly that they had like nothing but a bar across mm. the street from the railroad station. Yeah. And then the Harvey House came in and it was it was civilized, nice. I mean it was a comfortable you could get a get a, a good meal and everything. It created local jobs. And uh yeah, it created the, the jobs there mm. but it it took away what market that the tavern had. Oh sure, sure. Yeah. So sure. I mean, that was kind of like an idea that that you that overall it expanded the jobs, and then eventually what had happened was that the that the Santa Fe along with the other railroads started dining car service. Right. And it happened that that they had the Fred Harvey Company do their dining car service. Right. Makes and sense. and I kind of know this in a way because my mom and dad like like when my dad went on business trips like back 
you know, definitely before I was around, they, right. they, they would, they would ride the Santa Fe, you know, they, they took, like, sure. went to San Francisco and that. And I always and, thought, like I said, when I was younger, I heard that there used to be a train ride that was like a party from Chicago to New Orleans. And I always thought that'd be a really cool thing to get like 20, 30 people uh-huh. to go do. I mean, you know, when I was that age, we would have got completely shit faced and everything else, but like, that would have been a fun train ride to take because if you were just having conversations and playing cards and doing whatever you were doing, it'd be great just to be like completely. I mean, that's when I think about like the stuff with the automated uh, cars and stuff like that that are coming up. My my Subaru, if I set it up like it, it's got two cameras in there and it stays like it steers itself, right? Mm-hmm. So like I'm driving and it stays in between the the two lines. Now, is it great at it? No, it kind of bumps this side bumps that side bumps this side bumps that side mm-hmm. but and it's not set up for to drive itself anywhere but i know where they're going with it like tesla and all that stuff is going to the point where they are going to have it where it's a completely you know automated car right, right. it just drives itself mm-hmm. i think that it'd be great if i could just get in my if i could get in my car and you know look at my work stuff or whatever i want and it was like completely safe and completely automated i think it's great the train was always that way. Right. You got on the train a hundred years ago, and you could redo whatever you wanted to do. I mean, it almost seems to me like we've moved away from a thing that would be a great thing to have. Like if you were going on a trip, if they could just the miles per hour is what what has held it back. If you could just get that thing to go three hundred. I mean, I think a plane goes like four hundred or four hundred and fifty miles an hour. Right. If you could get that train to be three hundred miles an hour, and you never had to get up off the earth, you just you know pulled in, got on the train, and you went. It'd be a way better way to travel right. than you know just like I'm explaining. Like I'd like to go to work if I worked at a certain place that it was the same place every day. I'd like to be able to just get in there, sit down, and have the car take me from point A to point B, and not think right. about it. Yeah, because see, what a train does. Yeah, see, kind of, kind of the problem was that uh, that with with the well, it, it was pretty much everywhere in the world, but it especially hit the United States hard just because of it was a combination of economics and government policy. That what that what hit the the for profit private enterprise rail passenger system in the United States was that all the business travelers migrated to traveling by air. Yeah. That sure. was kind of, and then plus on top of it that the uh, that what uh, a big thing that was keeping the passenger trains going in this country was hauling mail. And then what once the postal service pulled mail off the trains and and it, it just yeah, there's not as much mail now as there was at one time. Right, and that's and then on top of and then on top of that, just because the, of less volume of, of mail. Because I think you talked to Jerry Ponson about I did. this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have I haven't had a chance to watch his. I'm going to have to. Yeah, but I that's, think the mail yeah. is probably in a big, big way. It's parcels now. It's everything that's getting shipped from Amazon right. and stuff like that. So, you know, again. Email, you know, would kill the regular person writing a letter to somebody. But, you know, like it's the time thing. If you could write a letter to somebody and that's what you do with email and send it right now, well, that's the way you would do it, even if it was transported right now. Mm-hmm. So the like if if the railroad would have just kept up with the miles per hour that a plane could do, you probably, they probably would have never lost that because right. you could just get on it and in a couple hours be in 
you know, Tennessee or something like that. It'd just be so fast that it would be, well, I can either choose to take this or I can choose to take that. One's not going to take me five. Because if you're, if you're taking the math and you're saying one thing goes 400 miles an hour and the other thing goes 70 miles an hour, well, it's seven times is, six times is, you know, the time-wise. You know, so if you're two hours versus 12 hours, pretty much a no-brainer you're going to choose right. the two-hour trip versus the 12-hour yeah one. yeah because they were because uh, even even i think it was in the 50s or 60s that uh that that really at, at the time the uh probably the most technologically aware railroad in the united states the new york central railroad that actually went through frankfurt on the old plank trail that yeah. they had the branch that went to joliet it was their uh their system but but of course the the main uh their main money maker line was between chicago and new york city going through cleveland and and uh, and all that they were actually experimenting with jet powered trains that they would mount a uh, yeah yeah that they would take a uh that what they did was the, dangerous yeah, yeah actually yeah and, and that's kind of what uh, what I, what the point i'm trying to make with like that See, uh, when when they did the the jet power thing, it was like a single uh, like a single passenger car uh, that that they had a, a uh, had an operating cab at one end and and that, but uh, mm-hmm. and they had the thing up to like two hundred miles per hour or something. But the problem is, is that on on rail, uh, if you're going fast, just like when you're like like a like a, an auto race that the faster you go every little defect becomes oh, magnified yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit of a turn is a big, big yeah right. and and it would have gotten to the point that they didn't have an accident with it or anything but it would have gotten to the point that if they had uh, put it into regular service or and tried to uh, increase the speed mm-hmm. odds would have caught up with them that that it, it would, the thing would have flown right off the track. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And nowadays, you would think that they come up with a technology that, like you said, the magnets or you know, if you were on a monorail system and the the one wheel that was on the rail was magnetized to the rail. Yeah. Obviously, you you got to you know I mean, this is not the uh, most uh, you know technologically advanced system. It's it's just a physical system that you come up with a way to keep that thing glued to that thing. And like, like I'm saying, if you could just get it where you could get that thing to be 350, 400 miles an hour, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Oh, yeah. I think there's all kinds of people that would choose rail over air flight just because it, it would be almost as fast. And I don't have to go to the airport. I can get the train in multiple different spots right. and then get right on it. Yeah, because you'd have you because as part of that, you once you factor in the recommended showing up the airport two hours early. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you you factor that in, that's basically wasted time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, that's that's wasted time. That you now, can't I didn't be, look into. I have. To, I mean, I'd like to look into. I don't know if you have or anything. Like, I know that the rail systems in Italy and in Japan and stuff like that were super fast are hugely popular as far yes. as they you know they use them a ton as far as that goes uh you know i think just you know those those things that bug me about america we 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 could be the greatest country if we could just get our heads out of our asses and start to advance on some right. of these things instead of being left behind so you know i, I want to see that stuff happen for sure and you know the railroad is a 
it seems like the thing to test it on would be like freight stuff, stuff that you, you're not going to lose lives if right. the thing goes from point A to point B. Sure. And if you're hauling stuff, um, solid goods, you probably don't need to stop. So you don't need to make frequent stops like that. You would go from one spot to another spot. And I don't know how the demand for that changes either. Like if, uh, you know, things are being produced in, in, you know, in more available where you don't have to go big distances. I don't know what sort of goods you would travel from Chicago to, you know, Philadelphia or something like I don't know you know what's needed to do that why you can't produce it locally there right but either way uh, it would just be nice to see us do something more efficient and faster and everything else in the rail stuff it still seems a viable option oh yeah yeah right right yeah so. it is yeah for sure well cool um, man I mean any if you got something else like historically let's talk about but we're an hour and a half yeah of, of talking let's, okay let's, let's well well some probably that. something that that maybe uh you know ju- just maybe a few random things yeah. that uh that the listeners can actually apply to either you know either as a hobby or their own travel or whatever sure uh i mentioned uh you know again going back to the model train thing just because you don't necessarily have to be like a like a railroad expert or anything to do it sure you know just because what you can do is you can take and put your you know you know lay the track of course mm-hmm. but a lot of the the model railroad hobby is 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 buildings and scenery oh yeah right. yeah that sure, you can sure, you can sure. take and make a like a little like, like essentially is something as small as this table and yeah and a little village a, yeah yeah create a little village and then run the train around yeah. and, and there you go right and uh you can either do it through buying uh readily available current production stuff mm-hmm. uh that you can buy online or well, the internet's gotta be awesome oh yeah now, right? yeah yeah, yeah. Gosh, you can find everything yeah because there's even even this one company in new lennox that they sell air uh uh all their other, I, I've never actually dealt with them, so I don't know what what they're like. But okay. th- just as an example, that they that they sell all uh, like train sets and, right. and and all that online, and you can pretty much pick out whatever you want and right. get it, and, and there you go. Yeah. And then on the other hand, too, is that just because model railroads and and toy trains and that have been around since, well, in as far as electric uh, since a the 1900s like yeah, 1910 right. or something like that there's stuff around like this thing was made in like 1936 i believe yeah yeah it's an old one huh? yeah, yeah yeah this is something that uh, that my my dad picked up for me at an, at an estate sale and uh and like uh uh lionel yeah, i'm sure you probably maybe heard oh, of yeah, it yeah yeah absolutely yeah that they, that they were like uh uh, back in the day, that they were a really major popular toy company. Yeah, that they primarily made the trains, but they also had like chemistry sets. And sure, just and everyone other... had a Christmas tree that had the train set running around the yeah. Christmas tree sort of deal. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. And they had like a like a uh, they had uh, certain attributes that uh, that they patented that like uh that they either patented or it's just that nobody was making a better product you know that they were they were even going so far like uh like before world war ii they even got to the point that they were uh having uh like a building action into their 
trains like they had like uh in, like I, well I've got a home but what they what they had was uh like on on your uh, train setup your layout you can take and put a piece of track on it that's that's a special track that you can once you spot the car on it yeah you can either uncouple it like hit a button and then just, and then you know like a, there's because there's solenoids in these okay yeah sure, like, sure, and sure, then sure, right. like see that uh that shoe thing yeah 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 that that would take in uh in contact one of the one of the rails on this track section okay. and then uh then it's like if you hit the uncouple button, it would take and flip up that little box with the hook, and you know it, it's like a harpoon. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, well, sorry, I, I didn't right, mean to right. bump that thing, but uh, um, and then they also have uh, or or had introduced uh, cars like like a flat car that would dump logs into oh, yeah, into sure, another sure, accessory sure, that, that it yeah. was like a conveyor you would it, it's loud as heck right right <laughs> it, it's it's really yeah they're detailed but, for sure and I yeah mean, part of the hobby would be putting that whole thing together yeah look I and mean, that people had like the mountain that thing would go through the tunnel right and come, yeah no I've yeah because part of the part of the elaborate. part of my point for bringing that up is that uh, back in the 30s people had only had electricity in their house for like you know, you know, especially like out out in, in rural areas. Sure. It was just then, and it was magic. It was like it was like the cell, like the like the iPhone of now. Right, right. And right, and right, it's like right. the, you would hit a button and uncouple the train. It's like, oh sure. gosh, that is amazing. You know, and that's why they sold so much stuff. I mean, yeah, that, right. yeah. So I think that's a hobby that probably will 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 live on, but be pretty tough to compete with video games and right. stuff like that so kids nowadays are probably not gonna be that much into it but if you're someone that's nostalgic or, or something like that that old stuff's you know beautiful and i see it sometimes if i go into some like uh you know small town store and stuff like that you'll still see train sets and stuff for oh, sale. Yeah. um people in you know middle america you know absolutely love that stuff i had a couple clients like i was telling you before the podcast that the guy had his entire basement he had sections of his basement that were just shelving units with just boxes of them and i think this guy he did less of the actual train set running mm -hmm. than he did like messing with the models and looking at the models oh, and yes. then yeah. putting together different trains that he wanted with the different logos of the different companies mm -hmm. and stuff like that so like you know it was it made him real happy and he had uh like i said he had like uh um the lights and the like you know the crossing guard stuff and everything else he had all that i think he had on his driveway the actual arm crossing guard from something that he Holy got cow. Right? and oh. out out in his yard he had one of the red flashing lights you know what i mean that he could that was operational and everything else so he's like super super into it he was a, he was an older guy he was probably in his 60s when we were there and that's got to be 20 years ago but uh you know I'm sure that's going to get passed down to his grandkids oh, yes. and everything else. Mm, yep. um, and it, it is neat as far as if you would, I don't know, I feel like sometimes I, I look at a computer all day as a real estate broker and, you know, I'm looking at the computer if I'm on social media or, you know, my phone. It's nice to get a break from the virtual world and actually look at something that's, I mean, that's the... 1900 version of the virtual right, world, right? yeah it but is yeah it's at least it's physical and it's in front of you sort yeah. of thing so yeah, because with this type of thing too that with uh, uh it's i'm not sure if it's really a uh, just a trend or if it's going to stick around like 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 the like stem like uh what does it stand for now i can't remember it's a uh, uh engineering math 
uh, I can't remember what what S and T stand for, but you know, like with with the maker movement and all that, that I think people might be getting away from. Excuse me, from just strictly doing video games and and messing with their phone and that, and trying to get into something where they're more where they're more hands on and something more tangible and, and that. Yeah, because it's like there was just just one time that not to go go on a, on a tangent, but there was one time that I was out at Star Rock State Park, and I saw this kid walking along, and he was like texting on his cell phone. It's like I wanted to I wanted to throttle the guy because it's like you got trees and stuff all around you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh my god! Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's the whole world. I mean, you know, there's people out there that are looking at their phone when they're driving, and you're gonna kill somebody. It's a human life you're gonna take. Yeah, now that you're busy looking at your phone. Yeah, that that that's the reason why I don't have a concealed carry license because I would be afraid I'd abuse it if I saw you. Road rage. Right now, if a if a parent was like, all right, listen, I want to get my kid. You know he can he can play his video games and do whatever he wants, but a parent want to get their kid a starter like setup for a train set, something like you said, like you know the table is about uh, almost three feet wide and six feet long. Right. You know something maybe eight by four piece of plywood that they mm-hmm. put down and they wanted to make a train set out of it. What kind of cost would somebody be looking at if they were going to get a train set? Well, it, it depends, Bill, because there's a uh, like the uh, like this here. Uh, they came in as a, as a set, and I think this cost me two hundred bucks, I oh, believe. But one car. Uh, yeah, like like these two locomotives oh, two together, here. Yeah, but right. you don't necessarily have to spend that much because okay. because like uh, like what what my parents did with me was they they bought a uh, a, a train set that was it was nice. But it wasn't like a scale detailed. Uh, oh, that's heavy. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And, but of course, we're kind of comparing apples and oranges now, just because wow, that, the that little engine that that's got to weigh two or three pounds. Oh yeah, because they're and they're a lot better made now too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because because the because what my my parents had bought me when I was ten, it was it was great for me at that age. But now I wouldn't. It, it just isn't satisfying right right you know because there's uh, there's better stuff available on the market but uh what what to do and uh would be to uh you know the you, you can either get something that's new that you can buy at like meyer or something okay. or like like at uh at target or whatever even on amazon i'm sure they could oh yeah it. you are go on amazon yeah. and you can you can get either something that's literally electric run that you hook up the the uh, the electricity to the track and then turn on the knob and then yeah. then run it you know you know like that but there's also battery operated um that of course is a different track system but i mean it just depends upon what what the what the abilities or the inclination of the of the of the child in question would, would want to do right you know like if they're really serious into it then i would i would go for like something like an ho scale type of a uh, set that that he or she could uh, could expand upon yeah. and uh, and take care of like that. But if the if the kid is like, okay, it's just in their complement of toys or whatever, and they're like five years, especially if yeah, they're like five years guy, old, then, right. then that's that's kind of a different uh, a different story. Um, but and then also too, um, alternatively, there there are uh, uh, like model train swap meets that you can go to. Like they've sure. got one in. Sure. Uh, uh, the, the one that I tend to go to is in uh, in Wheaton at the DuPage County Fairgrounds. That they have like all the fairground buildings are full of like used 
collectible in collectible stuff. Right. You know, now, what would you say you have wrapped up in? Like, if you sold everything you had today? Uh, well, uh, I mean, just you got a couple hundred dollars just sitting on the table here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, uh, like this right here. Like, I've as far as like the HO stuff, I don't really have that many locomotives, and that's where the money is. Okay. Uh, at least right now, as far as something that's that is practically like a, a miniature literally a miniature representation like yeah, they right, like they sure. shrunk it yeah. you know but uh, you don't necessarily have to do that um but as far as like the ho scale stuff just like over over since like like 1980 somewhere around around there i've been i've been gradually accumulating stuff and i've got like about two or three boxes full of uh like freight cars, like HO scale freight cars. Sure. And I figure I've got like maybe a thousand bucks wrapped up in that. Sure, sure. But of sure. course, that's been over a period of like thirty years of buying stuff. Right, right. And that, right. and uh, then as far as the like the like the Lionel, uh, uh, like like the pre uh, like the pre World War Two stuff, because there's a difference between what Lionel was making before World War II versus after as far as compatibility and that. Yeah. It okay. runs on the same track, but as far as coupling together, you can't do it. Can't, right, know? right, right. But, uh, uh, but as far as, like, the pre-World War II stuff, I figure I've got, like, like 20, uh, like, somewhere around 20 freight cars, three passenger cars, and two locomotives. So right there, that's, like, uh, you know, like figuring maybe thirty bucks a car, yeah, and then each locomotive cost me like three hundred bucks, right? Yeah, so that's that's some money right there. Yeah, right, right. right yeah, right. but it but it's not really out of line uh, as far as like uh, uh, because there's this there's this uh, conception among among a lot of people that just because something is old means that it's uh, like uber valuable. Yeah, that, right. That's not necessarily the case because okay. like you can you can spend go out and spend 30 bucks on a, on a current production freight car right now. And, yeah, sure, sure, you know, sure. Well, but after this, a certain age, it's got to be, I mean, people got to know when something's like a quality thing from, you know, if, if, it, if it was 80 years old, right. that's got to be an antique. Right? Yes. So, I mean, uh -huh. right, right. Yeah, because I do have the appreciation for it just because in addition to, to having the, uh, like with with my Lionel stuff, in addition to having the, the, the car, the freight car, or the locomotive itself, I've got all the history that's behind it. Sure. You know, that it's like at the time it was made, that was like like the top of the line technological oh, thing. Right, 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 right. It's like every every kid in America would kill to have this, and it's like, you know. Well, everything's <laughs> mass produced now. I mean, these things, if they're, you know, if they're a certain age, there was some guy building that thing, you know, and with his hands, you know, yeah, and that's, and that's something else too, because it's like the, like, uh, like Lionel, the way it was back, uh, well, well, before it basically just became a brand name or whatever that, that they actually yep. had their own factory in the United States and they may, they still make stuff in America uh, too, but, uh, but a lot of it does come from, well, three guesses where, but that's, yeah, uh, right, right, right. uh, but that was where, uh, like with a lot of things, they, what made them go Eastern European Jews and Italian immigrants. I mean, that was like the thing that, because they, like the like the two groups back then that were like the lowest on, on the, the sure. social scale. Yep. I mean, like me, I hate to say it, but with me being, you know, our family being here since, since the Jamestown settlement, I mean, right. I'm like in theory anyway, I'm like at the top of the chain. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, it's just amazing thinking that that the people who were like persecuted 
made such beautiful things. Yeah, right. right yeah, right, 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 right. yeah, and that's what that's what the United States is all about, in my yeah, opinion. Sure, so. sure, sure, sure. There's a there's history just in that, let alone the history that they're making. You know, the the stuff is historical too. Right. So no, that, that's that's neat stuff, man. Real, yep. I mean, real neat. Uh, like I said, the the people that are into the train stuff. It makes them sincerely happy to like look at that stuff to go through it. And I mean, I would guess it's got to be the same thing with someone that's really into antiques and stuff like that. Like for me, I'm not into antiques. Right. You know, it's just not my thing. Yeah. But if you are, I'm sure part of you, if you're really into it, like collecting and stuff like that, the history of it has to be a big aspect of what you're into. Right. Like seeing that and saying, you know, that was made by some guy a hundred years ago, and you know. He, he cut it all with his hands and everything else. So, that you know, that, that's neat stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything else, man? We're an hour and 45 minutes. Well, so, well uh, pretty much something else that I'd like to kind of point out is that as far as, um, uh, like, anybody uh, wanting to, to, uh, to, like, to see railroads, like, just railroad stuff, like, sure. in general, really the, I hate to say it as an American, but the best place to go is England. Oh really? You know, because there's and one one thing that that really bears mention is a uh, it's a it's a heritage preserve railroad line called uh, called the Bluebell Railway, as in the flower Bluebell. Bluebell, sure. yeah, and uh, they're fantastic. You know, it, they've got like a, a um, like a ten mile a ten mile railroad line that you can just hop off a, a regular normal train at the first station, get on their train and, and ride a steam train and yeah and go get, get something to eat uh, right you right. know look at all this stuff and it's like and then just you know just kind of uh, kind of imagine what life would have been like back in the eighteen right. you know like trying to like riding these things sure and, sure yeah and um, uh, it's and and then also also too about uh, about the uh, bluebell is that uh, uh, scenes from Downton Abbey were filmed there. Like like I like anybody who's watched Downton Abbey, like any time that that the family was down catching a train, they filmed it at one station on the Bluebell Railway. There you go. I, I and, think uh, anything old that's filmed even in this country's got it. The railroad's still got to be a viable. Yes. Because uh-huh. they, they save that stuff and yeah, use it. I mean, every western I've seen's got old rail cars and old. Right you know engines and all that stuff in it so yeah nice really yeah because nice. it's just one of those things that that uh that see i was kind of uh, uh exposed to like old things early in my life just because that uh, up until i was around 13 or 14 my my grandfather's aunt was still alive and uh and her house was just okay yeah and her house was just full of antiques sure and uh so i kind of developed an appreciation for older stuff and that kind of you know, plus with with the family involvement in the railroads and everything, that kind of right, right. You know, kind of got me specializing in. Yeah, you were saying you had this. like three or four people in the family that were all railroad workers. Oh yeah, right? probably even more than that because I'm kind of thinking of like like both grandfathers because like like my dad's father, he uh, he left school at the age of twelve and was hauling drinking water for a track maintenance crew at a at a. Uh, like a, a a railroad serving a lumber yard in uh, in Virginia, actually in Kentucky, on the Virginia border. Wow! And then uh, then uh, my my grandparents moved, uh, you know, him and my grandmother moved to Harvey, and my grandfather went to work for Baltimore and Ohio Chicago Terminal Railroad, which now is CSX. Yeah. Okay. And uh, at their yard in Riverdale. Wow. And uh, and then my uncle 
well, well my dad's older brother worked uh, uh, worked for uh, the Indiana Harbor Belt Railroad, which was the same company that I worked for for about eight years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, tons and tons of family stuff, and they all on the railroad, and I mean. Yeah, there's probably lots of families out there that their heritage, family-wise, was all around the railroad. Yes, yeah, so, being, yeah, no, amazing. Yeah, yeah, because what what's really, uh, um, yeah, well, um, amazing both being neutral and kind of pathetic is that at one time, like right after World War II, there were like a, a million and a half people employed by the railroads in the United States. Now it's less than two hundred thousand. Right, right, right. And That's yet our population is because I know that you corrected me once as far as what what the U.S. population is now. Yeah, well, I don't that, that I, I yeah it was it was something like uh, like I was wanting this uh, I was quoting like a nineteen eighty figure, but it's like way more than I thought. Yeah, I think it's three hundred twenty five. Right yeah, right? and it's growing, right? yeah, and I don't know what 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 the exact population figure was like right at the end of World War Two, but oh, it yeah, was not so much lower it, for sure. It, so to me that that. T- to me, that's a problem. It, it, it really is a problem. Right. It, that uh, that it's not not only the, the reduction in, in employees, it's just that it's all out of proportion to potentially the population's needs for railroad service. Sure. Well, I'm you sure. Know? Well, that's how it's been. That's one of my big gripes with the way things go. Like the the amount of things that our country produces has raised, like the production value of the American worker has gone up because – you know, if a guy gets a, you know, a guy used to have to get a screwdriver and turn a screw. Right. Now he grabs a drill and zoop, zoop, zoop. He could turn 15 screws in the time it could turn one. Yes. So that drill, that's automation. Right. It's on a smaller level, but it's automation. So his production value went up 10 times. His salary didn't go up 10 times. No, no. Right. So, I mean, the guy who makes all the money is the guy who's on top. The guy who owned the drill is the guy that makes the 10 times. The other guy right. makes a couple bucks more. But so it's the same thing with the railroad. I'm sure that they, even though rail travel's not like immensely popular in this country, I'm sure more people and more things are transported by rail today than they were in 1940. Right. Because there's just more people. I mean, I, I would venture to like throw a guess out there, and I could just quickly pull it up. But uh, the uh, the population of the united states in 1940 and i mean it'll it'll tell me what 132.1 million oh oh so low i mean not even half of what we have population now right so just the need for goods and and transportation and everything else had to be way less but like you were saying way more people worked in that industry Mm -hmm. that's every industry every industry less people working but more gets done right so you know i mean and i think if rail was utilized by billionaires they could utilize it in a way where you could get even more done for less money sure because you could get it there faster and all all that other stuff right and then the whole industry of travel too right so yeah it is amazing that that many jobs have left that and then right you know what i mean because the job should have doubled or better with i mean that's almost almost tripled the population 130 million people 200 or 325 million people you know if you were 390 you'd be triple 
And that explains why I-355 at the evening is so jammed up. Yes, I know right. it because I drove it for a year going uh, sure. working in Batavia. Sure, you know, sure, so, sure. Yeah. It's terrible. Yes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Traffic's bad, and I don't know if they're ever going to get a handle on that because they keep making more and more lanes, and it's still not keeping up with the amount of people driving Right, and, and that's kind of the problem is that, uh, and just, just as a joking with myself, it's like what they should do is put like the equivalent of the blue line L right down the, down the center median of I-355, and then that way they sure, would. Sure, some people wouldn't. Right, wouldn't drive. They would oh, take yeah. that instead. Yeah, I would park my car and get on that thing right sure, now. You know, sure, sure, yep. sure, sure, sure. Anything else? Um, well, really, the the only other thing possibly is um, that uh, that I kind of like to recommend a book. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, that the book name is called "Riding the Rails Inside the Business of America's Railroads," and it's written by a man called Robert D. Krebs. Uh, last name spelled K-R-E-B-S. He retired as, as CEO of BNSF Railway. Okay. And uh, and it just goes on like a. Uh, like especially if anybody's interested in, in it working, make a very long book. Maybe no, it's not. I mean, pages, it's, yeah, it's it's just a really, uh, you know, concise book. I mean, it's it doesn't have a lot of uh, like extraneous stuff in it, you know, because it's kind of more more describing his career that he started off work. Uh, uh, he he uh, graduated from Stanford and then he went to Harvard Business School and then once sure. he got his degree, then. Of all things, they went to work for a railroad, and when everybody was was saying, "What do you want to work for the railroads for?" It's dying. Why, yeah, you know, right, come, come right. with us to, to work at Merrill, Merrill Lynch. I mean, uh, sure. which which is an understandable uh, understandable sentiment. But he um, he started working in, in train service as a as a train uh, train crew member, and then he uh, was appointed as an assistant train master, which is like the lowest. Uh, um, uh, transportation supervisor, and then he just went up from there. Yeah, right. And, right. Uh, and the American dream, right? Yeah, and 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 uh, well, what's nice is that uh, you know, well, actually, kind of part of the reason why I recommend this book is my father, when I was in college, he had uh, he was out of work, and he was looking for a job, and he wrote, uh, and at at the time it was it was the Santa Fe Railway. And my dad, I think, in a way, was uh, was trying to correct. Um, maybe he had a sense that he was missing out on on the family railroad thing, okay. and uh, and partly uh, doing it for my benefit. But he had applied uh, or sent his resume to Mr. Krebs to, to be a marketing person because that was because my dad was involved in marketing in the electronics okay. uh, industry, sure. you know, calling on Boeing and and other. You know, like like a business to business thing. Sure. And uh, and what was significant was back in like in the late '80s, early '90s, was that you could send somebody your resume, mail it, and you would get a reply. Yeah, right. I mean, you could actually talk to somebody, or somebody would even acknowledge your existence. Sure. And that is very notable to me. And and after I read the book, uh, actually I read the book at about the time that my dad was very ill. And and then I started, you know, thinking about it. And then I I wrote him a letter saying, hey, I really liked your book. And this is what happened with my dad and that. And he sent me a card back and said, hey, I'm glad you liked my book. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's great. But yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of of an amusing little thing there. And, uh, and, um, uh, really, as far as other books, I I can't really 
I don't really want to recommend just because they've been out of print for like oh, yeah, 10 or sure, 20 sure, years sure, and sure, I sure. don't want to, you know, just, just like, just to state in general that there are like anybody who wants to get involved in this, like if they're interested in railroads as a hobby or whatever, there are books available that you can read, magazines sure. you can read, you know, just, just do your homework before you start, go start buying stuff so you buy the right stuff. Yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. Good. All I right. found it interesting, man. I, I mean, I really, like, I, I shoot for an hour with the podcast, and we're getting on two hours. And, I mean, I don't think that we had a real lag in the conversation. I thought it was pretty good as far as everything goes. I definitely heard a lot of stuff. I mean, I would have known anything about the, you know, England stuff or anything like that. And uh, so it was neat, real neat. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed having you here. Um, like always, please subscribe to my youtube channel and uh, i don't do this for any money so you know i like to see that somebody's actually paying attention to it if you uh hear a podcast you like it you hate it you know let me know look me up on facebook i connect with just about anybody on there and uh you know give me some feedback the podcast version is available on uh itunes and google play anywhere you can find podcasts you can usually find my podcast and uh, I appreciate the, the listeners in a big, big way. So, uh, cool, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Put it up. All right. Good. Well, now, John Kinwell was a little box. Bigger than palm of your hand. By the time that boy, he was nine years old.
down a hammer and he dies. Now John Henry throws steel in a tunnel, yes. Says hammer caught on fire. He looked at the water boy and he said, Cool drink of water before I die. Cool drink of water before I die. Driving man, there lies a steel driving. 